Welcome to Voices of Resilience, a special series from the Vital Voices podcast, where we're sharing stories of courage, commitment, innovation, and perseverance from women leaders in unprecedented crisis. I'm your host, Elise Nelson. We're speaking with her lead fellow, Shelby O'Neill. Shelby founded Junior Ocean Guardians as a way to share her passion for saving oceans and marine life for the future generations. She focuses a lot on using her voice to fight against single-use plastics and educating others on the damage they can cause. Plus, as the virus continues, uh, we keep recycling plants closed, and plastic personal protective equipment obviously remains quite critical. So there are fears that single-use plastic consumption is actually on the rise during this pandemic. We're going to explore this more with Shelby. Shelby, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. So tell us a little bit about um, what Junior Ocean Guardians typically operate does, um, your typical operations, but also what really motiv- motivated you to start it? Right. Um, so Junior Ocean Guardians was my passion project uh, growing up through seventh and eighth grade. Uh, I did a program at the Monterey Bay Aquarium called Young Women in Science. And that really kind of blew my mind to see all these different aspects of the ocean up close and personal. I'm from California, but I live about 45 minutes from the ocean. So it's definitely not a constant view in my life, at least growing up. And I was so inspired by all the different, uh, you know, plastic pollution things I was seeing going on and just how people had no idea to how they could personally impact the ocean. Uh, So I took all that knowledge and passion I had from the Monterey Bay Aquarium and I partnered it with my Girl Scout Gold Award. So, you know, that's the highest award award a girl can can earn. She really has to earn it in Girl Scouts. So I really partnered those two together. I went out and I started talking to kids in classroom and um, I have an activity book that I use and I would love to thank Carly as well for helping me provide a grant to use that to translate my activity book into Spanish to also better serve my community. Mm. Um, so I had, I had all this passion and I had all these young kids I was talking to. And then I realized that, of course, you know, we can all make a difference, but we should also hold different companies um, liable for the pollution that they're causing. So I started reaching out to all these different companies like Alaska Airlines, Dignity Health, and really explaining the issue of plastic to them and showing how, you know, a lot of people don't understand the link between that to different things that we're seeing going on in the world. You know, like how when you create plastic, you're causing combustion in the atmosphere with different with all these different chemicals, and that contributes to climate change. So was, I was kind of acting as that, like, you know, that connecting point for people. And I would say Junior Ocean Guardians uh, really regularly these um, operates as almost. Um, a whistleblower to all these different issues that are going on. Mm. I send countless emails to different CEOs explaining how their process can be harmful, but I never want to shame people. I'm always kind of here to act as that stepping stone for them to make change mm. and just really kind of enlightening them as to what they're doing wrong, but how they can eventually solve that issue. That issue. Mm. So tell us a bit about, uh, your campaign to really push for the No Straw November. I know you've gotten multiple laws passed, companies on board to reduce single-use plastic with that. Tell us a little bit more about that. 
Yeah, so Nostra November actually came out from when I was going to one of my classroom talks. I was talking to all these super energetic little kids, and they all wanted to make a change, but they had nothing truly pushing them to do so. They had, they had no challenge, nothing. They're like, okay, I want to make a change, but how? And I was talking to them. I was so inspired by all of their you know, tenacity to do something good. So in the No Strong November, it just popped into my mind out of nowhere. And I started out that challenge with younger kids in school. And then I ended up really wanting to explore uh, legislation. So I took it to the California Coastal Commission in California. And um, I proposed to them a No Straw November resolution. And, you know, it was a long process. A lot of people voted no on that, surprisingly, even though I was standing on the floor with my Girl Scout uniform. Um, it, it was quite an experience. Um, and then I also, at the time, it was pretty amazing because there was also another single-use plastic bill uh, on the list for California. It was AB 1884, which is straws only upon request. Mm-hmm. And it was really it was really amazing because Ian Calderon, who is the California, California State Assembly Majority Leader at the time, uh, let me testify in front of the Committee of Natural Resources as an expert witness to why plastic pollution was bad. So it was, it was at the same time as my resolution. So it was nice because we kind of like flip-flopped between the Senate and the Assembly to really see who would vote no on each matter. Mm. And I know that you've you've brought junior ocean guardians to lower uh, level grade school classes and conduct conducted beach cleanups. Um, obviously, schools are closed. Um, I know certainly here in Washington D.C. for the rest of the year, it's looking like summer camps are going to be closed as well. Um, and I just wanted to to hear from you. I mean, are you still able to? Um, be in touch with those schools? I mean, obviously, um, beaches, I know, are also closed. So how, how have you sort of shifted the work that you do? Right. So it's, I've been almost in a transition period. I would say for the at least good couple of months as I am transitioning to college myself. Um, but the nice thing about going online is that Junior Ocean Guardians has always provided its material online. So we have our activity books that we make free for uh, educators and just normal parents and everyone alike who just really wants to teach their younger kids about the ocean. So we do have those free resources for everyone. And um, it's really great to still expose your kids to all the different natural resources that we have. I know a lot of people are doing, you know, virtual online tours of different museums. The Monterey Bay Aquarium has really good educational tools that they have online now. But it is definitely hard. And it's, it's really hard for me as well because I've been seeing all these people uh, really wanting to have ocean education in their life but they don't see the ocean and especially now that they don't have the opportunity to go and go into the ocean um, for fear and you know everyone staying at home which is a good thing to do Um, so it's definitely been a really unusual time Um, but I don't know it's just it's kind of just not forgetting how your personal impacts can make a difference and I always have people you know just like really try to reanalyze their different ways that they do things so it's just kind of like taking this time to be really reflective and just you know googling ocean images watching any as many documentaries as you can just really trying to crave that ocean wanting um but i know it's definitely been hard for myself uh, but mm-hmm. we have those the junior ocean guardians uh definitely have free available 
uh, work guide to any parent, student, teacher who'd like to participate. So obviously, as people are staying home, many people have been saying that we are using less resources. But given health concerns, increased takeout orders, and even greater need for PPE, single-use plastic could potentially be on the rise. Are you, are you concerned about that? I'm very concerned about that. Um, a lot of people <clears throat> and the plastic industry has been, done a really great job at this, as making uh, just every single plastic that is produced as, a very, as seen as a very clean object. But in reality, we've seen that these kind of different viruses and different, you know, bacteria actually live longer on these surfaces. And it's just been really, it's, just, it's been hard because people definitely want to be safe. And I do not blame them because it is a very scary time. But it's kind of re, reevaluating every single plastic that you use and determining if it's essential. And it's like, it's, I don't know, it's definitely been hard for at least myself because I have been on this, you know, plastic-free journey. And to now go to grocery stores and everything's in plastic, it's uh, it's it's definitely discouraging. But it's you know, people have to definitely dig deeper. And a lot of a lot of the issues that we are seeing are are related to our air quality and how that is drastically improving. Well, it's because it's like, of course, we have cars that are not driving, but also all these petrochemical uh, plants that have not been able to produce plastic at the current time. All those chemicals in the air are not being produced. So it's just, I don't know, plastic is a very um, concerning topic in general. And I definitely am more concerned for the future now as everyone will rely on it much more as it's seen as a lot cleaner. But I definitely push for people to do the bigger deeping uh, and really see the, the issues that plastic causes in general regarding our environment and how they ha can actually have really negative links to our health in general. Cause we don't, plastic hasn't been around for that long. So we, do not understand the chemical process that has affected our bodies yet. There hasn't been enough time. So it's just kind of allowing ourselves to look uh, deeper mm. into subjects. Yeah. And I, you know, I think there is um, a scenario certainly where this pandemic uh, makes things a lot worse in terms of the environment, right? Because as people start to go back to work, I would imagine we're going to see less people taking public transport because we won't yet have a vaccination. And so people are going to want to have that separation. And certainly, as you say, you go into the supermarkets and things that you might normally find in bulk are now packaged up in plastic. And yes, people thinking, okay, well, it's safer because it's packaged up in plastic, right? And I know, you know, just on this last trip home from the grocery store, you know, on my front porch, sanitizing everything, realizing, geez, there's a lot more plastic um, than normal because of people thinking, right. oh, this is a way to protect it. But you're right. I mean, it is, it lives on plastic a lot longer um, than other surfaces. Uh, so super interesting. And, and, and I think definitely really important to, to keep keep that drumbeat alive because I think people are mostly thinking, oh, look, you know, skies are clear. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, not for long. We will thing. start driving again and we will start flying again. Right. But I do still think people will want more packaged up plastic and not just food sitting out. Um, and that that's where we're going to, we're going to see more of that, which is, which is uh, very scary. Right. And everyone keeps saying we want to return back to normal. There's a lot of things with, you know, that were normal in our society before that weren't necessarily the greatest. 
So I think we should definitely take this time to reflect on all these different things that we participate in, especially how we buy things. And of course, like I said before, keeping things safe. But I feel like we shouldn't return necessarily back to normal. We should return to an improved normal, you know, where everyone values things more. Everyone sees the, sees the beauty and the small things. Definitely just kind of reevaluating what you want your normal to be and how you participate in different uh, chains of the world. Mm. Are there certain elements that you think um, the pandemic is helping in terms of the environment? Like is the, I mean, obviously we, we can see clearer skies because people are not driving, not flying. Um, I, our behavior towards the environment, um, are you seeing any, any sort of positive movement in that regard? Right. I see a lot of people really longing to get out into the environment again. And I view that as really positive. You know, people are like, oh, wow, I'm just going outside and just kind of realizing how extremely blessed we are to live on such a diverse and beautiful planet. Um, I am concerned for the fact that everyone has such a travel bug now and everyone wants to go out and see the world. And it's still being mindful how, uh, you know, air traffic and just like all these different uh, travel chains can be really disruptive to natural environments. Um, but I am really excited to see how everyone just like really longs for outside and how everyone is really appreciating the beauty of the world now, especially for Earth Day. A lot of people were um, were posting and sharing their their stories of being outside and how much they love the planet. So that's definitely encouraging when I see that. I think I think everyone's gonna have a new perspective and appreciation and just that's that's what I'm hoping hoping for. People realize how they're overall how they can help and hurt the planet, you know? Mm, mm, absolutely. And and it's also, obviously, I'm sure frustrating for you, beaches closed. I know for me here, you know, so many of the parks are closed. And you do have that sort of yearning and longing to just be in nature. And um, and yet so much of it's even closed, um, which is which is obviously difficult. For, for those listening who want to make an impact, um, what are some safe ways that people can be uh, more sustainable even during COVID-19? Right. So I always suggest, I'm a big mindful person. <laughs> I'm a big person who preaches mindfulness. I um, I always encourage people to to observe their actions. And, you know, when you do an action, you're like, why am I doing this? So when you use a senior plastic straw, you're like, why am I using this? Can I not you know, is this a liquid that's too thick? Is this medical medically required for me, which is okay? You know, it's just like, it's overall kind of reevaluating your actions. So I definitely take this time. I recommend people to take this time to really kind of do a waste audit of their house, seeing exactly what they're throwing out. If there's any switches that you can do. Um, one of my favorite switches I've done is my hair care. So I use shampoo bars, which are just solid pack shampoo bars. And they have there, I have a good amount of them to be fair, but I've not gone through one single one single of my shampoo bars since this pandemic, and I know I'll be fine for the rest of them because they last a long time. And things like that can actually be really beneficial to someone going through this situation because they do last a long time and they can be compared to other hair care cheaper. So it's just kind of seeing what alternatives you can use that will not only help uh, your personal you know daily use but also the environment. So it's just kind of, you know, seeing, seeing the little swap outs you can do here and there. 
Absolutely. Wonderful. And, and I would imagine, obviously, I, I know you're a, a university student um, and you're at the uh, University of California, Berkeley, um, and uh, everything's online right now, right? So you, you, right. You, are you still in Berkeley? Have you left? Um, and then how are you, how, how are you finding that to be doing your, how do you keep yourself motivated? So I was fortunate enough to go home. I live about two hours away from Berkeley. So I'm back in my little inland community of San Juan Batista. Um, definitely switching to online classes was extremely rough. I'm such a, you know, I love to go to class. I love walking around campus. And it's been really interesting to kind of reevaluate how we're taught to learn. You know, we are taught to learn in these different classroom environments. And it's just kind of refining that motivation to do so. I actually have a lot of... Um, I have more appreciation for my mom because she got her master's degree online. I'm like, I have no idea how you did this, mom. Like, this is so hard, you know? <laughs> so I definitely, I definitely um, kind of take after her motivation, hopefully a little bit. But no, it's been rough adjusting. Of course, not seeing your friends is really um, hard for at least mental health wise. But it's been interesting, you know? <laughs> and I know, you know, certainly... Um, so many members of your generation are so focused on the environment and, you know, from certainly the perspective of wanting to protect the planet, but also just that it is an emergency in terms of your future. Um, and they, they are certainly calling this century, the, the, um, the, the emergency century. Right. And how does that shape the way that you think about your future? Yeah, I have a lot of friends who are also environmental activists, and I think we're all a little scared, you know, to be honest, it's, it's very unknown the way that we're going towards the future, and especially when we see different pandemics, um, you know, different illnesses pop up that kind of aid people to rely more on plastic is really concerning, um, but I I take hope, and because the fact that I usually um, Junior Ocean Guardians really targets kind of inland California, inland communities around the world. Uh, it's been really awe-inspiring to see how these different kids from all over the world, who are in from inland communities, who definitely do not be able to, who do not have the privilege to see the ocean every day, kind of still adopt that ocean mentality, and they really want to make a change for something that they don't even see. And it's been really, it's been really inspiring to help all these kids kind of aid them in that journey. And I do have such hope for the future generation. And I'm such a big advocate for equal education as well, because a lot of these kids have such a different education regarding where they live. So it's like, I, I know from at least my perspective as an inland California kid, you know, you'd expect you know everything about the ocean. Um, but there's such a great lack of education regarding that subject when you don't see it. Um, so it's kind of really pushing for all this equal education uh, because hopefully if we teach our younger kids about these issues such as climate change, hopefully we inspire one of them to solve it. You know, kids are, kids are unstoppable. They're so passionate. I just hope by exposing all these kids to all these issues that we're seeing in a very factual light that hopefully they will be inspired to solve it. So I have great hope for our future generation and that kind of keeps me going as well. Mm. Well, thank you so much, Shelby, um, for the work that you do and for taking the time away from your studies online <laughs> to joining us today. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening to the special edition of the Vital Voices podcast. We hope that you're doing all you can to keep yourselves, your families, your teams, and your communities safe and healthy. If you'd like to support our work with women leaders in this country and around the world, you can donate to Vital Voices on our website at vitalvoices.org. Or you can text VITAL, V-I-T-A-L, to 41444. That's VITAL to 41444. Stay safe and remember that we will get through this unsettling time together.